Good morning, Grace. It is uh, amazing to be back here with everybody. Um, I think the last time I was actually here was four years ago. Uh, my wife and I, we packed up our car to move across the country. Uh, my wife, she's, she'll be in second service. She's actually bathing our kids right now, so uh, they don't smell when they come. But um, the last time we were in this building was four years ago. Uh, we packed up our car. We said goodbye to friends and family. We went to Efren's number two over there off of Blosser, got some breakfast burritos, and then rolled our way through Grace Baptist, and uh, the staff prayed for us. And when they prayed for us, they were actually sending off on a 2,500-mile journey across the United States uh, to where I took a position as a youth pastor at a church on the East Coast. And we were there for four years. But it's amazing, it's surreal to be back worshiping with you once again because I, I, I left here as a regular member of Grace Baptist Church, and now I stand before you as a local missionary that you guys are supporting and so I just, I want to take a minute to thank you, Grace, too. Thank you on behalf of me, uh, Noel, Benji, our six-year-old, our five-year-old Abigail. With We just have this overwhelming gratitude and thanks to this congregation for not only the, the financial support and the prayer support from the global outreach team and from you as individuals, but in the discipleship that we received to go out and to launch uh, in Lord William Planted Church in Ventura, California. Uh, since today it is Mission Sunday, and we're going to be opening up a text from Matthew 5, uh, we'll, we'll go to that text, but I just wanted to uh, take a moment and share a little bit about this church planting journey that we've been on, and this coincides with our passage as well. So um, basically, my wife and I, we grew up here in Santa Maria. My, we both went to Rigetti High School. Uh, my kids were born here. My wife was born here. I was born in San Dimas, but that doesn't really matter, does it? Um, this is home for us. Our, both of our families still live here. Uh, and, and it all happened. This church planting adventure happened with a single invitation. Um, I don't know how many of you know uh, Josh and Amber Mason, but Josh Mason invited me to come to Grace Baptist back in 2013. And Josh knew me before I knew the Lord, and he kept inviting us to come back to church and to come back to church. And so finally, we came to Grace Baptist, and uh, through Josh and Amber, God used that family as an instrument of grace in mine and my wife's life to see what patience and love look like. When I was a very impatient person, I got to see patience in a six-foot 15, whatever, how tall Josh is, but um, it, was, it was an amazing grace that God used Josh as an invitation to come to Grace Baptist. And when we came to Grace, we you know, sat in this back corner over here, and uh, we saw this pastor get up that was wearing all black, and, and he was preaching through Galatians at the time, and uh, one of the big ideas that stuck out to me was uh, make disciples and not zombies. So... When I heard that, I was intrigued, and, and we heard the gospel, and we kept coming back, and we kept hearing the gospel week after week after week. And then there was the other pastor who we walk in the front door, and he remembers our names from you know, day one until right now, and in every conversation, I think that we could probably all attest to this, that Jesus gets the praise, you know, praise Jesus with a fist bump. Um, that was, that commitment to our family and the care that we felt from grace, 
encouraged us and strengthened us. And then uh, we, we learned what true hospitality and loving fellowship was like through becoming friends with Caleb and Whitney Baker. They were our neighbors, they were our friends, and, and it was actually Caleb and uh, conversations that we had. He encouraged me to go help out in the youth ministry to not just be a consumer of the church, but to be an active member and a part of the church. And so then we started helping out with youth ministry, and I learned so much from James. I did an, uh, a youth pastor internship under James one summer, and we got to go on retreats, and I, I got to learn how to teach and all of these things. And it prepared us to go. Um, prompting from Greg and Benji, they used to meet with me. I, I would work construction. I worked construction here in Santa Maria. We were, um, oh, what was it, off of McCoy. I was working about 50 hours a week. And I'd have to be at work at 7 a.m. So these men would come meet with me at 5.30 in the morning on Star, or at Starbucks at 5.30 in the morning. I met with Greg on Thursdays and... And then Benji and Caleb on Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on you know, whose kid was sick and, and not sick. Um, but they discipled us, and they, they prepared us to go. So in that, they encouraged me, we think you have gifts as a pastor, and we think that you should flex those gifts, and we think that you should go work in a church as a youth pastor. And so you know, condensing four years into 40 seconds kind of a thing, uh, we went across the United States, and that was our move. We went to a church across the United States. Uh, we learned, we continued to grow in our gifts there. We continued to uh, be tested, and, and I started seminary. I, again, a construction worker in Santa Maria. I started seminary. I was doing a Master of Divinity, and you know, Lord willing, I actually finished it. So my wife and I are very grateful for that. Um, but while I was taking one of my seminary classes back in 2016, one of my professors, he was sitting across from me and he said, you know what, I think you need to quit youth ministry. I think you need to finish your MDiv. I think you need to get ordained. And I think you need to move back across the country to plant a church. And this is all in 30 seconds, right? So uh, I was like, yeah, I'm going to have to talk to my wife about that one. <laughs> so that is when our church planting journey began. We, we talked to friends and we talked to family and pastors and elders and deacons and everybody that, that knew us enough to say yes, we affirm this or no, we don't. So back in May of uh, this year, we said goodbye to our church family in uh, South Carolina for the three and a half years that we were there. And we're now living in the Mission Viejo area of Southern California, of the Southern Orange County right there. Uh, and we're working at a church plant. Basically, we're going to work at a church plant for a year and a half, and we're, we're six months into it, and we're learning. This is our church planting laboratory. We get to see what a baby church looks like from the ground up and all the way to becoming an actual church with their own elders and their own deacons and uh, you know, a, a particularized church. And it's amazing because right now, during this time, we're getting to learn things that we wouldn't you couldn't read from a book. You know, launching a second service too early is actually really detrimental, just so you guys know. <laughs> uh, that was for free. We learned that one the hard way. Uh, so being able to watch this and see what a church plant looks like from the ground up has been a huge blessing for us. And we're also in the fundraising mode right now. Uh, I'm going to put it to you this way. We, we have, uh, we're praying that there would be 200 families or individuals that would be able to partner with us for $90 a month for three years. 
Because if I said $650,000, you guys would be like, oh, that's crazy. So it sounds way better if I break it down that way, I feel. Um, during this time as well, we're, we're fundraising, we're putting together plans, and I'm having pastors and elders pour into me. And even now, Grace, like your pastor pours into me all the time. For, for the past four years, Benji and I have, uh, our, our bonds of friendship have been tightened through our uh, quoting of the office and our, you know, uh, love of the walking dead and, um, and even more so our infatuation with the gospel and to see the kingdom of God advance in this world. That is amazing to us. So as we're preparing to go to Orange County, or I'm sorry, Ventura County, we want to plant a church there. And essentially what I want to see is this, what, what we came from. What the Lord did in our lives as a regular construction worker working in Santa Maria with two kids, and my wife is an office administrator at a, at a seed company in uh, Oceano. The Lord, Grace Baptist, the Lord has used uh, this church to shape us and to form us and to make us disciple-making disciples. And this passion ignited in us that we would be able to go out and share with the world this, this glory of God and other people. So I just, Grace Baptist, you're, you're the tapestry of this church is interwoven into our story. As we talk to other churches, there's no other church that I can talk to so intimately because without the invitation back in 2013, we would have never blasted off into church planting. So thank you for your partnership with us. Thank you for the love and support. Now you know a little bit about our story. So uh, we have bookmarks at our table. Uh, if you want to sign up for our newsletter, there's, you can sign up for it. You know, we, we won't bug you. It's not spam. It's once a month. So, uh, and if you don't want to read it, just a you know, long swipe to the left and it's gone. But if you want to, if you want to sign up, uh, we would love it. If, and you could follow our journey. But one of the greatest things that, that we get to do as a church plant is that each Sunday we get to gather as a body and we will celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as the Holy Spirit has enabled us to hear his word and for his word to transform us through hearing the preached word, we get to participate, that, or participate in that as a church. So right now I would ask you to roll, scroll, or turn, or flip, or whatever verb you want to use uh, to go to Matthew chapter 5 in your Bibles. We're going to read Matthew chapter 5. Uh, verses 14 through 16. This is the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, his most famous sermon. This is the Sermon on the Mount where he has gathered his disciples, and then the disciples have come to sit with Jesus, and then the crowds follow behind. And so if you would, I know this is out of norm for you guys, but I, I found great joy in this. Would you stand with me as I read God's word for us, if you're able to? And this is uh, this, this picture of God's people getting to have the word and being attentive to the word. So listen with me as I read from God's word in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. It says this, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Would you pray with me, Grace? Lord Jesus, you call us light. 
you've taken us out of darkness and you've given us this, this marvelous life that we're able to share and to show to the rest of the world. Like flashlights that reflect your glory, like, like a rainbow strewn across the sky, Lord, we bring order and beauty to darkness. And I just thank you so much for the grace that you've given to us, Lord, that you didn't pass us by, but you've called us your children and you've put this wonderful message, this, this beautiful word of the gospel in us, that, that it is by your grace that you lived and died and lived again and ascended and we hope for your return, Jesus. So now I would ask that you would guard my mouth from error, that you would open the ears and the hearts of your people, that we would hear your word and be transformed and equip to be disciple-making disciples. Pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Please have a seat. So about two weeks ago, uh, in, I don't know what the weather was like up here, but two weeks ago in Southern California, it was uh, rainy and gray and stormy and cold, and that is just, that is my absolute favorite type of weather. I love when it's that way. A lot of people don't, but I, I love it. And one thing I start to look for in uh, these storms and these clouds and everything are rainbows. I'm fascinated by rainbows, just this idea that this prism of light would be cast across a dark sky is absolutely amazing to me. What do you guys think about when you think about a rainbow? Do you, do you think about a rainbow? What does it come from? What makes it? I, I researched rainbows way too much writing this sermon, so I had a good time. Uh, a lot of stuff that I can't even explain after reading it, but a rainbow is amazing. And all the science that goes into a rainbow, the explanation of a rainbow, but what a rainbow does for me is it elicits this praise that pours out of my heart where I can see the God of the universe, the conductor of all creation, has this promise imprinted in the sky that we can look at. Rainbows in their splendor, in their order, and their light shine in a typically dark and stormy and chaotic sky, don't they? It demands a response from us as this spectrum of light blasts across the sky. When order is brought to chaos, and we bring glory to the one who placed it there. An amazing thing about a rainbow, though, and this is obvious if it's obvious, and you know, rainbows don't have light of their own. What happens is the sun shines through the clouds, and this foreign source of light actually goes into these water droplets. And the, water, and the light goes into the droplets and then it refracts and it reflects and then it is displayed throughout all and dispersed throughout all the sky. And that light shines across the sky for the whole world to see. So a rainbow does not possess light of its own, but it comes from a foreign source. In our Matthew 5 passage, Jesus calls us the light. He tells us that our light to sh is to shine before others. And he tells us this for a singular purpose. And our singular purpose is to bring glory to the God of heavens through our good works. You see, Grace, this is amazing that we would be a part of this. That the glory of God would refract and reflect and be dispersed throughout us. And in fact, if there's one thing I've learned from sitting under uh, Benji's preaching all these years, is that you have to have a big idea. So our big idea this morning is that y'all are light to glow and show the glory of Christ. 
That's our big idea this morning, that y'all, you all, this is not my southernness in three years coming out. This is actually part of the text. Jesus says y'all. Y'all are the light to glow and show the glory of Christ. So if you'll look with me, we'll explore a little bit more of what that actually means and how we get to this big idea. Verse 14, if you'll glance, uh, Jesus says that you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. It's important to know who the you is in this passage. Who is Jesus actually addressing? In Matthew, in the beginning of Matthew, in uh, verse 1, he says this, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Now when it says that Jesus went up onto the mountain and then he sat down, he went up and sat down. This is the same way that somebody would walk up to you know, a, a pulpit or a lectern or something. Something's about to be said. There's a teaching moment that's about to be displayed. There's, there's something coming. Jesus is signaling to his audience that he's going to teach them. And so what he's saying is, if I'm speaking to you as the light of the world, I'm going to share with you something, little water droplets. So come listen to me. So when he says, y'all, he's actually saying, all of you come and sit with me, those who would follow me. The Greek word for y'all or you is umis, which basically is, I won't go into it, but basically what this is, is it's saying, y'all, it's you as the individual, as your identity in the group. It's us as the church. When it says y'all, he's saying, yes, this room is full of the church, but it's also the individual that he's speaking to. So like a rainbow, each individual drop of water gathers together and the rain cloud is displayed. And Jesus is calling these little disciples, these water droplets. He's saying, y'all come with me. This light that is going to, it's, it's the light that we possess through Christ. So listen to me, little rainbow, or little water droplets. We're supposed to be seen throughout the world as Christians, as, as the light that reflects Jesus. So as he's talking to us, Jesus is talking not only to his disciples when he says you in the moment, he's talking to the current saints the saints of this room, and future saints as well. All of us, the church, he's speaking to his body. That we are the lights. In grace, it is your identity as, as followers of Jesus Christ that we would reflect the light in Santa Maria. That we would reflect the light of Jesus in Guadalupe, in Napomo, and Los Alamos, in Ventura, and beyond. If we're the light of the world that Jesus calls us, we will be seen in the midst of darkness. And in this area where the light shines, people will see the glory of God in Christ and they will bring glory and honor to the one that has saved us. Because our big idea, remember, is that y'all are the light to glow and show the glory of Christ. That is who we are, church. And Jesus tells us what our identity is and he makes it explicit. But then in verse 15, he, he shares a little bit more about our nature. He says, Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. The purpose of the light is to shine in the darkness. Now imagine we were on a, a camping trip, right? And it's dark and we're going through the woods and we have our flashlights with us and we you know, click the button and then we take the button and we stick it in our backpacks. 
you wouldn't do that. Like, nobody would do that. You, you need to see where you're going. You need to stay safe. You need to see where the path is. What is safety in this moment? The flashlight is designed to bring light into darkness. And it is a great thing to bring light into darkness, especially when you're traveling through the woods and it's dark. But light can also function as a beacon of safety. It can, it can uh, show great distances like a lighthouse on a cliff that's, that's warning travelers passing by. Or somebody that's lost in the woods can shine a light up and people will know to come to the light. Light is good. Light shows us where the safety is. Light shows us how to get to uh, where we need to be in a safe way in the midst of darkness. But one thing that light does as well, light's not always welcome especially in the midst of darkness, because what light also does is light exposes. Light lays bare the very things that we try to intentionally hide. Light is not always a welcome addition to darkness. Why would a person who lit a lamp put it under a basket? They wouldn't. So in the same way, when we do we do this personally, Do we take the lamp and we try to retard or cover certain aspects of our own lives where we try to keep it out of the light, where we say, no, Christ, don't shine on that because that's mine. Friends, prior to us having this light that exudes from us now as followers of Jesus Christ, we were in total darkness. We were in absolute darkness and death. Our existence was one of death, and we were filled with the desires to to walk in darkness. We were skewed. Our minds and our bodies were evil, and we were meant to hide the idols of our hearts and to nurture them. But now as Christ comes into us, we have light. We needed this, this light to shine into our darkness. If we had light of our own, though, this is our need for Christ. Because if we had our own light, there wouldn't be darkness. If we as individuals possess the light that is necessary for us to walk in grace and truth and love and generosity and wholeness, we wouldn't have needed Jesus. We needed this this alien light. We needed this light that was given to show us outside of ourselves to shine into us. The Apostle John writes this in his gospel. He says... In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Just like the rainbow that I mentioned in the beginning, it's not the water itself that possesses the light, but rather it's this external light of the sun that is shining into these droplets and reflecting and refracting and dispersing this glorious cloud across this dark sky. Brothers and sisters, the the light that we have shines out of us as followers of Jesus Christ. The light that we have is not intrinsically our own, that we have out of our own moral goodness, or even out of the success of our careers, or our ability to lead others, or maybe our hard work ethics, or maybe you're just one of those people uh, that have a kind disposition and you think that is your light. These things are false lights. This is not the true light of Christ shining in us and pouring out of us for the glory of God. Y'all are light to glow and show the glory of Christ. And here's some good news. That apart from Christ, we only have darkness and death. That apart from Christ, we do not have our own light. We have these counterfeit lights 
but it is in Christ that we have this true and eternal light so we can lift our heads and not be put to shame and say, I don't have my own light, but it is Christ himself who shines in us and through us that shows the glory of God in Christ. It was the very light of God that came into the world, as the Apostle John wrote, that this light exposed our darkness. This light shines into our lives to make our rebellion known. But not only does the light expose us and and, and show us where we have rebelled and sinned against God, but this light leads us to safety. This light is gentle. It doesn't just expose to damage, it exposes to lead to safety and to show where true restful harbor is. Jesus lived and he lived perfectly as the God-man, this this perfect God-man. He lived in absolute light his entire life. And yet Jesus was treated as one who walked in perpetual darkness. He was treated as a darkened criminal who possessed no light. And it was on the cross that this perfect light of Christ was consumed by darkness and laid into the grave. Where Satan himself mocked the Son of God, the light of life, as he was on a cross bleeding. The light seemed to be extinguished. But in three short days, the light broke through and darkness was put to shame and death itself. Jesus himself was resurrected from the dead and he satisfied the anger of God that we had as darkened criminals ourselves. He took away our badness and he gave us his goodness. Jesus was that perfect sacrifice, that that unblemished lamb that was offered on my behalf. And if you are in Christ and you've repented of your sin and and you hold that Jesus in faith is your way to true salvation, he's done this exact same thing for you. Jesus ascended to be where the Father is, sitting at his right hand for all of eternity, and he is now In light, he is restored to where he once was, and he is ruling and he is reigning as the God of all creation. And now by the grace of God, this light of life, our Savior, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has applied his light to us as the great physician who brings death to life, or who brings life to death who brings light into darkness, the Holy Spirit applies the life and the light of Jesus Christ in us even today. This external light that shines into us that we can now exude wherever we may be. We don't need to be church planters or go to Africa to have this light shine. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you've got a hard time making your light shine day in and day out. If you're a stay-at-home dad, you've got the same issue. If you work construction, if you sit at a computer, if you, whatever it is you do, if you're a teacher in a school, your light is to shine wherever you go because it is the light of Christ that has pushed out our darkness and in our good works, our Father in heaven is glorified. And so we can rest in that church that it is by God's unmerited favor. It is not our own doing. It is not our own high morals or our skills in counseling or our good natures. It is, it is the grace of God that we have been given life and light once again. Because we can't forget, church, that y'all are the light to glow and show the glory of Christ. Think about that. 
Y'all are the light. You are the church. You are the manifest light of Jesus Christ in this world wherever you are. What an amazing and humbling task that we've been given. That, that we can partner with the light of life himself and that we can bring glory to God himself no matter where we are. If we're in line at the store or if we're changing a diaper or whatever, or if we're planting a church or if we're going to Africa, we are able as the church to shine the light of Jesus Christ. We maybe at some point have this, uh, this struggle between in, in our good works and the grace that we've been given. There may be this uh, tension of this grace and works that's arising. You may think, well, it's by grace that I'm saved through faith, and it's not my good works that save me. And you can rest in that. That's absolutely true. It's not your good works that save you. But it is the light that shines into us. It's like the rainbow that fills the dark sky. It is your works that flow from the salvation that you've been given in Christ. They flow out of you. And they reflect the good light. Verse 16 says this. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. It is in the radiance, in the beauty, in the majesty of Jesus Christ shining in us that we are able to manifest in our good works. And again, it's not our good works that saved us. It's our, it's our response to these good works. It's, do you get up in the morning and are you motivated by grace to say, wow, I now stand right before the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of all the galaxy and the creator of all things, and I am right and I am good before him, and I'm going to go take out the trash and serve my family. You know, like, that is manifesting the glory of God in Christ in your good works. And it's not only that, but it's, it's being able to love the unlovable. It's being able to befriend the friendless. It's, able to, it's being able to serve the needy. That we can bring goodness to evil, just like the rainbow in the sky. That we can bring order to chaos. That we can be family to somebody that, is, that does not have a family. That we can be a mother or a brother or a father or a sister to somebody that doesn't have anybody. That we can be the light in darkness, no matter what that is. And a lot of times, church, we can't see exactly where our light is shining because we don't have the same vision that God has. But everything that we are doing as we are working out of our light in Christ... We are bringing glory to God, no matter if it's the most minuscule thing or if it's the most heavy thing. For me personally, an invitation to church has now led to church planting. That's amazing to think about. So don't let your good works, don't think for a moment that this is too small or this isn't big enough or whatever Satan may try to fill your mind with. Because it is through the reflection and the glory of Christ shining in us and through us that we are able to reflect the glory of God in Christ. Brothers and sisters, if you're a Christian here today and you don't feel very luminescent 
or you may feel like you're walking in this burden that you, it's like the, the Charlie Brown commercial or, or uh, the cartoon where this rain cloud is following you around. If you don't feel like your identity is one as the light of God, if you don't feel like that you're reflecting and refracting and showing the glory of God in Christ, if you are struggling with depression or anxiety or anger or lust or manipulation or you've lied or stealed, stolen, sorry, master of divinity, uh, <laughs> if you've steal-did something, if this is you, you don't need to beat yourself up because Christ has taken the beating for you already. All we do is we simply repent. We turn from our sins. We run back to the light that has been given to us in Christ. We go to our brothers and sisters in this room as, as fellow rain droplets that reflect and glow and show the glory of Christ. And we let them pour into us. We're honest with each other. We open up. We repent in our sin. Repentance is not a burdensome thing. It's a joy-filled thing that says, I am turning from darkness and I am turning back to the light. And God has given y'all this in order to strengthen each other as you go out and you share this good news within Jesus Christ. Rehearse and keep telling yourself this good news, church. Share it with each other. And then as you share it with each other and as you're equipped in Christ as the body, you can go out and reflect this toward other people. You can speak the truth in love to others. You are able to share and to show. You are the lights that are going into darkness. In the same way that Christ has exposed our hearts through the gospel message, we go and we expose light or we expose darkness in other people that the Lord has put in our lives for the glory of God in Christ, not for your own glory. And that is our mission as the church. As we commune together, as we sit at the feet of Christ, as we love one another, as we build each other up as brothers and sisters, as we go out into this dark world, as Grace Baptist is doing this right now in this city, I would encourage us to remember that y'all are the light to glow and show the glory of Christ. And lastly, there will one day when there will be no more darkness. There won't be darkness one day. And, and until then, we have a work to do, church. That ultimately, the light will come into the world. And this is our future hope. And this future hope should motivate us to our current work. As missionaries, as disciple-making disciples in Santa Maria. And in, in, in the whole uh, Santa Maria Valley. That Revelation says this. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is in the or is its lamp is the Lamb, and by its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Until this final day, church, we have a mission to accomplish as individuals, and as the church in Santa Maria, and as the church in Togo, West Africa, and as the church in Ventura, California. Remember that y'all are the light to glow and show the glory of Christ. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, it is by your goodness that invitations to church have gone out, that love has been shown, that uh, grace has been felt and tasted in this city. 
Lord, I thank you for Grace Baptist Church, and I would ask that you continue to strengthen them and bless them. Lord, if we are struggling with our light right now, I would ask by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would fill us and make us fresh and new. Let us love you more fully, Jesus. Let us be consumed with your light that we would be able to reflect and refract and disperse the glory of God in Christ in this city. We thank you for our salvation, Lord. Amen.